Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. On today's show, Offensive Line. We will be continuing the position review series for the 2023 season, looking at the big uglies down in the trenches. Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews, Matthew Bergeron, Drew Dahlman, Caleb McGarry, and the rest of the offensive linemen on the Falcons are under the microscope today. Going to be talking about their play last season, looking ahead at, you know, who is under contract, any free agent additions, any changes they need to make. That's what we got on tap for you guys. If you have missed any of our series so far, we've done quarterbacks and running backs. I encourage you to go catch up on those. You can listen at any time to get my thoughts on those positions. But we're talking offensive line today. Going to get into that right after this. It's playoff time and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. Our partner Bet Online is the number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. From point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade, BetOnline is the number one source for your championship wagering. So... Head to Bet Online and join today to get into all of the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. All right, offensive line play. And we start as we do with each of our position series with the headliner. That is Chris Lindstrom, your right guard. He was Pro Football Focus's top rated guard for the second straight year. Last year, his PFF grade was just an otherworldly 95. This year, not as high. It was an 87.6, but still top-rated guard in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, for the second straight year. Shows you, you know, just how great, how consistent of a player Chris Lindstrom is. And I love to tell this story, even though it makes me look bad, but when he was selected by the uh, Falcons, it was either 16 or 18. Maybe the Vikings were picking 18. But I, you know, was working for the team at the time, tweeted out, you know, as, again, an employee of the Atlanta Falcons, that I was like, eh, it seems like a little bit of a reach because this is what we do. During draft season, all we do is we read mock drafts and that builds a consensus of like where a certain player is supposed to go. And it's almost like our persona of what a player is as opposed to like what the who the actual player is, which is what the teams all know. And so we sit there and we're like, well, Chris Lindstrom's supposed to go 23rd. And so instead he went 16th and that is way too high for that player. So that's kind of like along the lines of whatever I tweeted out at the time. And so Thomas Dimitrov, who made the pick, just gave me all types of crap for that every single time that I would uh, see him afterwards, as he should have, because Chris Lindstrom is a pro bowler. He could very well be an all pro one day. Like he is one of the best linemen in the NFL. So there was no reaching for Chris Lindstrom wherever you took him. He's going to be valuable to your franchise. So he played 1,066 snaps, which were second most on the team last year. He missed, I believe, one game due to injury. Um, He allowed 15 pressures, which were 12th uh, amongst all guards. He allowed three sacks, 38th amongst guards. um, And he was named to the Pro Bowl again for the first time. So that was a great season once again by Chris Lindstrom. Even though he kind of like started the year, I think, a little bit slow by his standards, he picked it up and, and ended the year really, really strong. Um, Some of the other contributors along the offensive line, Jake Matthews, of course, uh, he was PFF's 30th tackle by offensive grade. He had a 71.2, little bit of a down year for him as well. And 
you know, every year, every offseason, when I'm talking to Falcons fans, inevitably somebody will bring up kind of like, we need to get rid of Jake Matthews. You know, we need a, a different left tackle. I'm just so sick and tired of, of Jake Matthews. And, you know, to me, this is a little bit of a, a situation where you have to just be willing to be like, great is the enemy of good, right? And sometimes in always shooting for what is the best version of what I could possibly do, you end up never even really getting around to something that is passable. And I think passable is a little bit of an insult even for what Jake Matthews brings because left tackle is extremely hard. And there are so many teams that cannot get left tackle figured out. And so for the Falcons having their left tackle solidified since 2014 is awesome. You know, you're going on essentially a decade now of, of Jake Matthews. Again, he's not the greatest left tackle to ever play the game, but he's not an issue. He's a serviceable player in the run who can do a lot of different schemes, and he's really solid at pass protection. Sure, he's going to get beaten for sacks, like and kind of noticeable sacks when you're on the edge, but that's life as a left tackle. And all of the stuff that he brings, intangible-wise, uh, leadership-wise, like, Jake Matthews, is, there's a reason why he and Grady Jarrett and A.J. Terrell were kind of like in Young Waku were the holdovers and Chris Lindstrom, right? And, and so I think that when you're looking at kind of the pillars and the cornerstones of your franchise to build around, Jake Matthews fits that bill in every single possible way. So again, even though he's not Joe Thomas, he is not an issue. And if you have a left tackle who is not a glaring issue, then you're doing pretty well in the NFL. Uh, he allowed 27 pressures and five sacks. He only had a 60.2 uh, run block grade by PFF, but an 80.1 pass block grade. So again, it shows maybe this past year, he was a little bit better as a pass protector than in the run game. And anecdotally, you know, I noticed a couple of times this year and I, I couldn't really figure out if this is because, you know, of Jake Matthews and maybe the way they were feeling about his play specifically in the run game or just changing up the scheme given defense is a different look, I noticed that they would slide Chris Lindstrom over to cover up Jake Matthews on the left side or Caleb McGarry, or they kind of brought a, an extra lineman a few times to really unbalance the left side of, of the Falcons offensive line. So again, I wonder if that was by design to give the defense a different look or because they felt, hey, we got to help Jake a little bit over here. Just, just something that I, I noticed. Um, Matthew Bergeron, very different ship than, than Jake Matthews. As a rookie, uh, I think he had kind of an up and down year, but again, that's to be expected. And the important thing is that he played 1,127 snaps, which were the most on the team. He stayed healthy all year long. He gave up 33 pressures. He allowed six sacks. Um, but again, he started every single game as a rookie. And importantly, he had games where he looked great. You know, I, he had some some moments where if you kind of look at the totality of his performance, you say, OK, this is something we can really build on. You know, this is when you're kind of reviewing or putting together the the clip package to maybe show him in you know July, August, when they report to camp and you're kind of going through. All right. What are we working on this year? What are we developing you? He's got a lot of clips that you could put in that package to say, do more of this. You know, this looks great. This is what we want you to do more of. And so as a rookie, again, on the offensive line, it's a huge adjustment, especially from 
kind of the way that the college game is played, but coming from Syracuse and, and you expected him to maybe be a little bit more prepared for specifically what they wanted to do um, last year in Arthur Smith's scheme. I think that you saw a lot more positive than negative from Matthew Bergeron. But the key here is that he's got to take, I think, a decent step forward in year two, knock that sacks allowed number down, maybe to three or four, like uh, something, you know, you don't have to match Chris Lindstrom, but in that area, especially as a guard where you've got a little bit more help, um, that would be a nice start for him. Then bump inside again, we got Drew Dahlman at center. He was uh, actually pro football focuses third center uh, in terms of offensive grade. He finished the year with an 82.3. So I know a lot of people pointed to some of the snap issues, the off uh, target snaps on shotgun plays, certainly the under center fumbles as kind of a reason that they need to move on from Drew Dahlman. And I'll get to this later on, but I, I do think of all the positions, if they did want to upgrade one spot, it might be center for the Falcons. Um, but as that pro football focus grade shows Drew Dahlman again is not an issue really for this team. You can clean up some of those uh, snap concerns or maybe, maybe you can't and maybe that is too big of a concern for you. And that's ultimately the reason you would move on from a player like this, but he's still very cost effective for you. Uh, he has, you know, starting experience now for a, you know, a decent amount of starting experience, he did get dinged up a little bit last year, but he only allowed 29 pressures. He only allowed two sacks. He is an excellent, excellent run blocker, now, especially in your zone scheme. He can move. He can get up to that second level really quickly. The snap uh, or the pass blocking a little bit more concerning. He was a 53 uh, PFF grade in his pass blocking, whereas he was a 90 in his run blocking. Um, but I think the snaps, like if you like Drew Dahlman, kind of like I do when you fall into that camp, I think you would overlook some of the snap issues. If you are out on Drew Dolman, I think a lot of that has to do with you're just really tired of seeing the quarterback have to like bend down or lean to his right to get a snap that's a little bit off or again, just fumbles at the one yard line. But this season, we're going to find out with a few different players. Is it scheme related or is it player related and Dalman certainly falls uh in the latter camp I think or you know we'll find out which camp he falls into this uh this upcoming year when you get a little bit of a different staff a little bit of a different feel um for this player but again I think by and large Drew Dalman had a pretty solid season uh and then we'll wrap it up here with Caleb McGarry and then talk about two kind of backups um so Caleb McGarry the 20th tackle by offensive grade 70 75.5 Pro football focus grade there. He played 847 snaps, dealing with some injuries. Uh, 17 pressures allowed, four sacks allowed. Again, right tackle. Like You're going to be facing some premier pass rushers over on the right-hand side now as well. Um, that's Cam Jordan. That's C.J. Watt. A lot of these premier pass rushers are now coming from the, the right side too. So four sacks, I'll take that. Um, and we know what he brings in the run game. And he only had three penalties last season for an offense that to start the year, there were definitely some penalty concerns, at least on my end. So it was nice to see Caleb McGarry kind of get that stuff cleaned up again. He signed an extension. So he's got two years left on, on that deal. I, I do think there's a lot of people who could say we could definitely upgrade from Caleb McGarry. And that's true. You could. Uh, but again, if you're looking at how you're allocating your resources, he is not a, a issue to the point of being glaring where it's like 
this is a concern going into each and every game. It's not. Now, we'll see, again, scheme changes. Maybe Caleb McGarry was in the perfect scheme for him, and so you'd expect a little bit of regression as they change things up. But I, I think that the way Caleb McGarry played in 2023, it does not mean that you have to go immediately look for his replacement at right tackle. I think he should be the starter again next season. And again, I, I think he brings not everything to the table, but he brings enough as your right tackle. Um, so Storm Norton, Ryan Newsel, two kind of, we'll call them like the premier reserve guys, right? Storm Newton, kind of your right tackle, the swing tackle there. Um, he played 283 snaps, filling in for Kayla McGarry. My favorite thing about Storm Newton uh, this past season is that if you look at his three-game sample size as a starter, he got better with each game, and his final game was a near-elite PFF grade of 85.3, um, and that was against Indy. And Indy had a really good pass rush uh, this past season, not like one premier guy you would point to, but they got production from everywhere. And so to see Storm Norton in a short period of time kind of get better, that is what you need from your key reserves, be that your backup quarterback or kind of that key swing tackle guy that you have as, as your immediate fill-in, your six-man off the bench for the offensive line. And so Storm Newton filled that role admirably last season. Uh, and then Ryan Newsel who was a little bit of a, an Arthur Smith and then kind of fan favorite just because I think of his personality. He filled in, played 203 snaps uh, at center, three pressures allowed, no sacks allowed, but PFF grade of 55.3. Not great. Again, PFF is not an end-all be-all. They're just one take on everything, but it is a good metric to kind of bounce everything off and see if the eye test lines up with uh, you know what other people are seeing. So, don't have to spend too much time on Storm Norton, Ryan Newsel, but those were the two key guys outside of the starting five, and the Falcons had really good continuity um, on the offensive line once again that got some uh, some playing time there. So let's look at uh, a few notable league rankings and stats. Uh, the Falcons ended the year ranked fourth in Pro Football Focus's uh, offensive line rankings. So again, that is a little bit of a testament to the continuity, but also the overall caliber of play in a year where I think the overall consensus was that the Falcons offensive line took a step back, but at least again, pro football focus is watching it all very closely. They felt that the Falcons offensive line was once again, kind of one of the better units in the league. They ranked second in the league in pass blocking efficiency with an 87.4 um, kind of percent efficiency rate there. So they, that part of that again has to do with, scheme and and being unpredictable and and whatnot but they did a really good job um protecting desmond ritter at times this year although there were some notable glaring uh issues where it didn't always go so well i'm thinking about the tampa bay game here in atlanta mercedes-benz stadium with antoine winfield jr just flying around the edge to uh get desmond ritter but even that that was keith smith that was a fullback mess up that wasn't the offensive line so sometimes we can confuse just because a quarterback gets sacked it's not always on the offensive line um but the falcons did allow 40 sacks overall be that you know a fullback making a mistake a tight end an offensive line that tied them for 12th uh 12th best so they also ranked ninth with 2159 rushing yards again not 100 an offensive line stat but it just does go to show you that they were once again a top 10 rushing offense um, this past year, even though it didn't feel like that at times. 
So the players they have under contract for 2024, they have 12 players already under contract. Jake Matthews, he's going to count $21.7 million against the cap. He'll hit free agency in 2027. Um, Chris Lindstrom, $18 million against the cap. He'll hit free agency in 2029. Kayla McGarry, $12.5 million against the cap. He'll hit free agency in 2026. Matthew Bergeron, $2 million against the cap. He is entering year two of his rookie deal. And then Drew Dahlman, $1.2 million against the cap, entering year three of his rookie deal. The other guys that they have under contract for 2024, you've got Kyle Hinton, Javon Gwynn, John LeGlue, Tyler Vrabel, Justin Schaefer, Ryan Svoboda, uh, and then Barry Wesley. So again, 12 guys, like that's too deep, and then some. I think that they're in a really good spot numbers-wise um, heading into the offseason with their offensive line. Potential cap casualties, even though you've got some pretty big numbers on the books, right? Jake Matthews, 21.7. Kayla McGarry, 12.5. You're not doing anything with Chris Lindstrom. Um there's not really any cap relief to be had in the immediate future. And that's just kind of because these deals were made recently. If you look at how the numbers kind of pan out, it's really next off season when you could maybe move on from Jake Matthews. If you're so inclined, maybe move on from Kayla McGarry, if you're so inclined, but this year it's kind of cost prohibitive to make those moves, which again is kind of why I feel like the Falcons are pretty set at offensive line. I don't expect too many changes coming the free agents that they do have for 2024, Matt Hennessy, third round pick in uh, 2020. I, you know, his role is just kind of gone. At one point, he had a, a chance to become a starter. Then Drew Dahlman takes over. And at this point, he's a solid backup. But when you had Ryan Newsel step in there, you know, it just, you don't really feel like Matt Hennessy has much of a role or a future with this organization. Um, so he is set to be a free agent. I don't think he would come back uh, or that the Falcons, you know, would. I, I think that his time with the organization has probably come to an end. Then you do have Ryan Newsel, who's an exclusive rights free agent. So he could get a qualifying offer and stay as kind of your main depth piece there. Again, it, he may have been more of an Arthur Smith guy. So we'll see uh, with the the new staff. But Dwayne Ledford being a holdover as your offensive line coach and now also being your kind of run game coordinator. Maybe a lot of these guys do stick around for that reason. And then finally, Ethan Greenidge, uh, kind of a reserve tackle. He spent the year on IR. Um, who knows what the future holds for him. So the salary cap investment for the offensive line, as I mentioned, 12 players under contract at the position. They have $61.7 million invested in their offensive line. That takes up 24.7, basically, percent of the uh, cap's base. Uh, and that is the fifth highest number in the NFL. But again, if you're going to invest money, investing it in the offensive line, I think is a pretty smart place to uh, invest your resources short of, you know, just nailing a bunch of draft picks and having that number be pretty low because you got a bunch of guys on rookie contracts. If you're going to spend money, I like to spend it on the guys up front. And I, I do think that that is a pretty proven model for success in team building. So even though that's the fifth highest number in the league, if you're a team that's ready to compete right now, which the Falcons are, that's not uh, the worst number to have. Free agents and draft picks to keep an eye on. Um, again, I really feel like because you've already got 12 guys in place, because you've already spent some money uh, in this group, I don't think they're going to shake things up too, too much. That being said, I do have one name kind of on the list, and that's Coleman Shelton. If they wanted to 
switch things up at center. I think center is kind of the clear spot. Maybe right tackle would be number two. But the fact that you got Jake Matthews and Chris Lundstrom to to deals, and then you've got Matthew Bergeron on your rookie contract, that makes me think center, right tackle, if they want to shake things up. Coleman Shelton being a center, uh, formerly with the Rams, I think that you maybe could bring him in here if you are looking at maybe making some of that switch from more of a zone dominant run game to more of that gap scheme that we saw the Rams make a switch to last year. Given that Shelton has some of that versatility as both a zone and a gap minded player, that could make sense. If you want to bring in a little bit of a voice to be an advocate for what you're trying to do offensively as you change some things up, he could be uh, a guy that they would look to bring in here at the right number. Um, But again, I'm kind of just speculating based on who are former Los Angeles Rams or players that have kind of worked in that scheme and that mindset, and then maybe bring them over here, given that I expect the offense to change uh, a decent amount this offseason. So what is the priority level for an addition to the offensive line for the Falcons this offseason? It's really not a priority. However, I do have in parentheses here, you should always add to your offensive line. And that's true. I mean, if they want to draft another player in the fifth round that they feel like they could develop, have at it. I am all for it. If they want to get a guy in the second round, you know, I'm, you can never have too many offensive linemen just because of the attrition that takes place at that position. But also, you know, it's really hard to find these guys. And when you do, you want to keep them around for 10, 12, 15 years, however long they're going to play, which takes me back to Jake Matthews. And it's he's not an issue. He may not be the reason you're going to win a Super Bowl. But you can get pretty far with Jake Matthews and you got to focus on some other spots where maybe you feel a little bit worse. So because the Falcons shouldn't feel very bad about their offensive line situation at all, I don't think you're going to see a ton of uh, focus on that group this offseason, which is a good thing. However, if they do want to continue to add, I I think you'll see maybe some of that low to mid-tier free agent, somebody coming in, or maybe a, a priority free agent after the draft, a sixth round pick, somebody on day three would make sense because again, it's a numbers game kind of with your offensive line and a developmental game. So get get some of those guys in there. But by and large, they are in great shape along the offensive line. You could see as they maybe transition to where the league is going a little bit and you saw the gap scheme really be effective for the Rams last season. If they do want to shift in that direction a little bit, you've got five starters who are primarily men's are comfortable in kind of that zone offense. I think Chris Lindstrom can kind of play in both. I think you've seen Jake Matthews kind of play in both, but the other guys we'll have to see. So maybe for that reason, they look to bring one or two guys in here with more of a gap dominant mindset. And that's if they want to make that switch. But as I've said, as this podcast has been about, they are in great shape along the offensive line, um, which makes two of the three positions so far running back and offensive line that you feel pretty good about, which is why this team is much closer to competing than they were the last time they made a head coaching change. So again, if you have not listened to the running back or quarterback uh, edition of this position review series, I highly encourage you to go check that out. That will do it for this episode on the offensive line, which as always was presented by that online. I'm Will McFadden. You can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. We will see you guys again next time in just a couple of days. So keep your eyes on the feed for the wide receivers. We're going to be looking at Drake London and company, which is another group where I feel a lot of changes 
could be coming in the uh, next little bit for the Falcons. So I hope you guys are excited for that one. Until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.